Blessings. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to need some help preaching, so I hope you're going to, you know, amen and hallelujah, right? Amen. amen. Okay. Um, in the beginning, God. These have to be four of the messiest, intriguing, and blessedly confounding words we find in our Bible. Our whole existence, our purpose for showing up on a perfectly good movie day. And that's what I thought, wow, what a nice day to go see a movie. <laughs> to think about the possibility of those who are visiting, for instance, uh, giving three or more years of our lives to the hard work of studying, writing papers, taking exams, teaching, grading, and so on, have a lot to do with those four delightfully mystifying words. In the beginning, God. Whole disciplines have been created or take their direction on the basis of the implications of these words. Theology, epistemology, ethics, counseling, church history, the history of religions, apologetics, preaching, and so on. All of them have their basis in, if not their beef with, the magnitude of the significance of these words for life, for purpose, for existence. These are fighting words for atheists and for agnostics who would prefer the statement to end with a question mark. In the beginning, God? And they are intriguing, if not puzzling, words for seekers who, confronted with the possibility of many gods, ask which god or even which beginning? The truth is that they are the foundation, the integrating and guiding motif, the heart of the message that permeates and informs the rest of our scriptures. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, before the universe was, and before you and I and all there is came to be, the God who created them, the I am that I am, this God was. Hallelujah. And like it or not, Believe in God or not, the very idea of this God can't just be shoved to the side, tucked away, and ignored. It's been tried. And still, we find that this notion, as some would like to refer to it, doesn't stop seeping through the cracks of our finite minds and self-centered inclinations, challenging our reasoning and questioning our justifications for denying the possibility of any any proof beyond what we might consider valid. If anything, the ramifications are too big, too many, too urgent for us to live like the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. 
And so I'm deeply struck by the depth of the words that God was in the beginning and in the fact that I, we are all too often guilty of missing the theological, moral, spiritual, ecclesiological, social, anthropological, and political, to name a few, implications that this truth may hold. What are these audacious words implying? What do they mean for us? What are they saying to you, to me, today, now, hallelujah? How are they moving you, sustaining us, challenging, or just playing, annoying you? Let's face it. I don't think there's anyone here that hasn't imagined what life might be like if every fiber of our being down to the deepest recesses of our soul were not being perturbed and disturbed with the call to live out and proclaim the God that was and is in the beginning. Hallelujah. Life, we might think, would be so much simpler, perhaps so much more enjoyable if our minds and hearts weren't preoccupied and stirred by the divine pathos for a world that at times seems hardly to give a D-A-M-N. Amen? <laughs> took a second, but <laughs> or would it? In the 19th century, philosopher Frederick Nietzsche declared the death of God. God is dead, he said through, uh, this name is very difficult to pronounce, Zarathustra. He remains dead. We killed him. Yet even he bemoaned the loss of meaning that the so-called killing of God and religion would entail. So many centuries of trying to kill God and imagine a world without the divine has gotten us nowhere. In his song, Imagine, John Lennon of the Beatles band invited the world to imagine, imagine no heaven and hell, no countries, nothing to kill or to die for, no religion, greed or hunger, no possessions, and a sister in a brotherhood where all live as one. He asked us to join him in imagining it, a little imagination, a little dreaming, that's all it takes. We can do it if we try. Needless to say, the popularity of his dreamy song assured him many more of the possessions he imagined everyone not having. And sadly, only nine years later in the prime of his life, he was dead. Over and over again, we are made to realize that no amount of dreaming or even working toward this godless utopia can make it come to pass. 
And the interesting part of this is that some, if not too many of us, still join the Lenin Dreamers Club to the point that we fall asleep on our call to share and live out the only truth, hallelujah, that can and will bring all of this about. And I'm referring to the God who was in the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. And I have to ask you, tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't what Jen and, uh, John Lennon asked us to imagine that which scripture calls the kingdom of God? And I'm going to say kingdom, as Ala Maria Isasis Diaz refers to a kingdom of God. And doesn't scripture provide the path in the beginning to live through and in that kingdom that is now and is yet to come? And if you would indulge my excursion for just a moment, I need to humbly ask. Is it even possible? Is it possible to talk about creating a utopia with an absolute moral authority that would end up making God inconsequential? The verdict seems still to be out, including who will be the great artisan and judge of such morality and what other war or wars will be needed to claim, enforce, and maintain such authority. And then, so help us God, because the fear that a just but loving and self-giving God elicits is nothing like the fear of a sinful humanity that considers itself uh, gods and demands allegiance through the claims of entitlement and power. So help us, God. Still, God is more than the basis for morality, for decency and selfless living. He is more than a basis for propping up governments and institutions that claim divine authority and providence. In fact, God will not allow God's self to be any of these things. Can you say amen? amen? Claiming God to support our agendas doesn't make it so. It's a sorry state of affairs when the creatures think we can manipulate or forego the Creator. God is not a banner we can prop up when it suits our cause or needs. God is our Lord. In the beginning, God. This is more than an introduction to the topic of creation. It is the foundation, the reason, and the basis for the belief that we are more than haphazardly or haphazard eventualities that may or may not have been. In the beginning, you and I and everyone were already in the heart, in the heart of God, who not only created all that is, but also saw that it was, what? 
Very good. Amen. Hallelujah. And so you see, in the beginning, we not only see the power of God, we also see God's goodness and loving purpose. We see it in the divine provision after Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And we see it in the liberation of Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians. And we especially see it in the beginning. Hallelujah. When the word that was with God and was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And I fear... I fear that we say this so often that we become a little blasé, even French, right? About how profoundly radical this is. So let's stop and take it in again. Everyone, amen. What God would take on real flesh and purposely love those he knew would deny, betray, and hang him on the cross to die? What kind of love is this that would seek to call us to himself when it would have been so much easier to have scrapped the whole lot of us and moved on? And what kind of love is this, hallelujah, that would honor us by giving us the holy, holy, holy spirit to live in us, though we grieve, neglect, and often send her to flight? Did you take it in? I know I did. Because what I've given you is only the beginning of an eternally insufficient description of our God who lovingly formed and breathed life into our bodies. He is the parent God that wants to be loved freely without coercion, manipulation. Hallelujah. And he's the one who for that reason, as I said before, sent his word. And I love what it says in Spanish. The verbo, the verb, God's deed action through whom we can experience the creator and creating God, hallelujah, breathing new life and the courage, hermanos, to persevere, proclaim, live, give, receive, and stand up for and with the one that is in the beginning, Lord of all. And I'm amazed, and I get a little excited. <laughs> How this God is able to bring together different and often woefully discordant people like you and me and those around the world from different cultures and different political parties and worldviews and create a, a, a new kind of mestizo community called the body of Christ. Gloria a Dios. I don't know about you, but this week I've really had to remind myself and work at allowing the creative, loving Spirit of God to give me a renewed heart. And I'm confessing here. A new disposition and willingness to see and remember that in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end, God is and will be 
all in all, hallelujah, as our brother said, God is still on the throne. Praise be the Lord. I have to remember that this loving God continues to create a way out of knowing that he is the great artisan who fashions seeming disruptions and wild contradictions, deep, deep, deep disappointments and failed dreams into that new thing, hallelujah, that he deigned to bring about in the beginning, hallelujah. And it still, still amazes me to no end that God would use us you, me, as divine epiphanies of the hope, hallelujah, this world, for this world and our communities that they desperately need. In the beginning, God created the way for us to return to God's loving arms where we are held, consoled, and encouraged not only to imagine, but to live out boldly and unabashedly the kingdom of peace, justice, and mercy where death and mourning and crying will be no more, hallelujah, where the nations are healed and nothing accursed is found, where night will be no more because God will be our light. Nietzsche was right, but not in the way he intended. We did kill God. We killed God the Son on the cross. He said, what was the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives, said Nietzsche. Who will wipe this blood off us? <laughs> Who? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was raised from the dead and through God's amazing grace, the blood on our hands has been wiped clean by the very one we, you, I crucified. Still, I have to confess with you that yes, at times, perhaps too often, we the church, at least in the West, is guilty of acting like God is dead. We love to claim God and all the divine blessings, all the means of grace. Come, Lord Jesus, give it to me. But often we live like the fool that says there is no God. Thankfully, the God who loves us beyond any reasonable measure reminds us and shows us daily that he can also resurrect a complacent and at times dying church. He is an unrelenting God. Praise be to God. Some of you are here today because you are considering seminary, or at least this seminary, we hope, so let me tell you that whether here or somewhere else, you will be challenged by the many voices that you will read and hear about that will ridicule the absurdity of following an idea of a God beyond what we can see. Hold fast to your faith in your call. 
God is holding fast to you. Don't let go. Hallelujah. Be about the creating and creative God who called you in the beginning and will take you where? To the very end. After all, there can't be a beginning without implying an end, right? And the God that created you and me is some kind of risk taker. He is some kind of lover. He is the living God, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In the beginning, God. What does that mean for you? What is it saying to you? Amen.